Hey, if you have your Bible, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We're going to be reading there in just a moment. But uh, before I do, I have this little, this little booklet that I just really, really love. It's little things that children have written to a pastor. He gave them a project. And I think we may do that sometime in this church. I think it would be fun to do. They're age about six through eight, maybe nine. Dear pastor, do you all like to laugh? Okay, turn to your neighbor and say, you need to laugh. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Mary Hart does good like a medicine. You say, well, I don't have anything to laugh about. Well, look at the person next to you, and you will find something. Dear Pastor, thank you for your sermon on Sunday. I will write more when my mother explains it to me. (laughs) How you doing, Brad? That's why we have Super Church. Dear Pastor, I liked your sermon where you said that good health is more important than money, but I still want to raise in my allowance. <laughs> uh, what's this one? Okay, this will be the last one. Dear Pastor, did God make girls, this makes me think about Annabelle and her brothers. Dear Pastor, did God make girls smarter than boys? My big sister says so. Truly Ryan, age nine. <laughs> You'll get that in a minute. If you have your, uh, if you have your Bibles there and looking at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, where we're going to be uh, starting out reading today. As some of you know, and thank God for Dan Peters being here last week, and they did a great job. He's on a little mini vacation with his family, but thank God for his ministry here. And Kelly's coming up to be ministering. And Pam and I were out in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where... Really, everything somewhat began in my life when uh, we had just gotten together, gotten married, and, and trying to find the meaning for my life and received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we decided to go out there after I prayed, and all I heard was go to Tulsa and you'll find the meaning for your life. And I want to encourage all of you. Woody's message Wednesday was an awesome message on the shift that, uh, that either is coming, may be coming, or hopefully will be coming. And uh, it was a really awesome message. I encourage all of you to get that message. What the Lord has been impressing me with is the importance of understanding the power of the Holy Spirit. And as we were out there in Tulsa, Late at night when we had uh, Jack and Molly with us during the day, a couple of days there, and uh, staying in the room with us and uh, overlooking the university. And I had asked for that room to overlook the university because that's, that's the area where my life was changed and uh, where I, I felt the power of the Holy Spirit in my life, not really knowing where I was going to be going. And at night when they would go to bed, I'd open those curtains up a little bit and I'd just look out over the campus of what happened with one man yoking up with the Holy Spirit to absolutely change the entire world. And every single one of us have an assignment on this earth. So turn to your neighbor and tell them, you have an assignment. You have a plan and a purpose specific for your life to accomplish on this earth. And that I'm going to paraphrase this message, and then we're going to get into the actual scriptures. But Jesus came to give his life for you and me so that we would have eternal life. He came to defeat the powers and principalities and work of the devil 
and take that victory and give it to you and give it to me. And that we would have that victory, that he would leave this earth after his first visit, and that he would go back to heaven, and that he would send us the Holy Spirit, and that we would be endued with power. And that we would have that power, that everywhere that we would go, we would be an ambassador for Almighty God. It would be as if Jesus himself were walking on this earth, and we would bring forth the will of God. Can you all say amen to that? That is basically the, the, a capsule of, of what is happening and what should have happened when we received Jesus into our life. Now, those of you that are here today that have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and you also have the evidence of praying with other tongues uh, in a heavenly prayer language, you know what I'm talking about. Can I see your hands? You know exactly what I'm talking about. Can I see the hands of the people that are here? And you say, well, I, I'm, I'm following you so far, but I've never had the evidence of praying in other tongues or praying in another heavenly prayer language. Can I see your hands? Okay, praise God. You with me so far? And let me see the hands of the people who say, I'm not even sure what you're talking about yet. Can I see your hands? Okay, that's all right. We're all on the same page. So turn to your neighbor and tell them you came in the right place. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and honey, when, 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 when you and I came together, I hadn't been saved very long. You'd been saved for a while, and you had the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You had lived in Tulsa. You had been experienced and exposed to Oral Roberts' ministry and the campus and the university and everything. And, and I was kind of coming along, and you were just trying to tolerate me there for a while as far as being led by the Holy Spirit. I, you can shake your head yes, because it's okay. Isn't she pretty? So, so what happens then is that a lot of times we, we don't get the fullness of what God has for us once we get, we have it, but we don't understand what we have. And I believe, and, and I feel like sometimes I'm a, I'm a lone wolf here preaching this because I hear a lot of messages like everything is great and everything is going to be great. And we're going from victory to victory and glory from glory, glory to glory. And all of the stuff is, is going, it's going to be great in the world. And I keep having the Holy Spirit bring me back to Matthew 24 and 2 Peter, uh, Timothy chapter 3, talking about what Jesus said and what Paul said is going to happen before the rapture of the church. Now, I believe that you can go through a storm and be victorious. Can you say amen to that? But if you think there's never going to be a storm, then you never, you're never going to prepare for a storm. The people down in Florida every year in hurricane season prepare for a storm and hope it doesn't come. Can you say amen to that? I'm preparing for a storm. I hope it doesn't come. We need to prepare for what Jesus said. And in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus told us what's going to come in the end days. And we are in the end times right now. So turn to your neighbor and say, nothing to fear, but we're there. Now, anybody that doesn't think they're there, that looks at everything going on in the world and think, wait a minute, we are in the end times. You study the Middle East, you study Israel, you study Hamas, you study Hezbollah, you study everything that's going on in there. We are moving toward it. But good news, everybody say good news. The good news is the church is going to get raptured out of here. We're going to go out of here like the children of God went out of Egypt. We're going out with the wealth of the world. We're going out with the victory. So it's a good thing. But don't don't think that there won't be some challenges and some opportunities along the way. And we need to be led by the Holy Spirit like never before. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Now, the Holy Spirit, now that's what we're going to read right now. 
verse number 19 and 20 of 1 Corinthians. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you from whom you have from God and that you are not your own for you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Where is, if you are here and a born again Christian, where is the power of the Holy Spirit? Okay, a little slow, but not bad. Where is the power of the Holy Spirit? Is it always in you? Therefore, we need to tap into the power that we have to accomplish anything that God desires for us to do. Now, this may be revelation to you. It became revelation. Hi, Kim. How are you? It became revelation to me after I got saved. When I got saved, I thought God was working for me. Because I read John 14, 14. And it said, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, that's the first, now I know it sounds funny to you today, but I'm telling you, that was the first scripture I got a hold of. John 14, 14. God, I got a whole list. Number one, I want out of debt. Number two, I want a Lincoln Continental. Number three, I gave God a whole list because I thought that he was working for me. Now, you're going to sit there and think, oh, you're just being funny. No, I thought he wanted to take care of all of my whims. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, it doesn't work that way. Never got my Lincoln Continental. It took me forever to get out of debt, but God helped me, showed me how to do it, and it all happened. But I realized after a while that he was not interested in doing what I wanted. He was more interested in me doing what he wanted. Does that make sense to you? Turn to your neighbor and say, so far I'm with him. Now, let's look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Before we get into the meat of this here, because Jesus told us what he was going to do when he said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you shall receive power when or after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be witness of me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in all of Samaria, and to the end of the earth. In other words, the power of Almighty God Himself would be in us, on us, and be able to show us and give us the wisdom of God, the power of God to do what God has called us to do. Now, turn to your neighbor right now and tell them on each side of you, God has called you to do something great for Him. If you tap into His power, you will hear it. If you don't tap into His power, you will do whatever the world tells you to do. You go to school, you get an education that tell you to be an accountant, you be an accountant, you sit at a desk all your life, you push numbers, you do things, and nothing wrong with that. Turn to your neighbor and say, nothing wrong with that. But you could miss everything that God has for you. Now, it doesn't matter what age you are, God still has his plan for you. And if you tap into the power of the Holy Spirit... And the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the evidence of that of speaking in another prayer language, then you are going to have everything that God wants you to have to be prepared. Now, if you, if you get a hold of this message, it will change your life. In the very beginning of my life, when I didn't know anything, and I still don't know a lot, but in the very beginning of my walk with the Lord, 
when we would pray here and we were in Tulsa and I was trying to get God to bless my business and my business continued to go down the tubes and I was speaking all the right words over it and all the right words. And finally, one day in just prayer, this is what I heard. Go to Tulsa and you'll find the meaning for your life. That had nothing to do with what I needed at that moment. Go to Tulsa and find the meaning of your life. First of all, I don't have enough money to get to Tulsa. And secondly, I got all these problems back here. I've got to solve them and I need your help. And all I heard was go to Tulsa and you'll find the meaning for your life. And all of a sudden, it started to dawn on me. All I heard was what God said. Now, Prior to becoming saved as a younger man, I, I was in the service, and, and, I, and I loved the service. I loved the discipline. I loved the, the military. If, if I'd been an officer, I would have probably stayed. But all of a sudden, it started to kick into me. God said what he meant, and that's it. Are you going to follow orders or not? And, I, and you've heard this story before when I went to Pam, and I said, Pam, I feel like God wants to go to Tulsa. I was hoping she would say, no way. And she said, well, if that's what you think, let's go. Glory to God. Now, now I've got the assignment from God. I got a wife that's in agreement and I have absolutely no excuse not to do what God called me to do. And so without having any additional information, we pulled up and went to Tulsa with only a sentence, go to Tulsa and you'll find the meaning for your life. Now, God has something like that for each and every one of you. Tell your neighbor, God's got something like that for you. And if you embrace it and if you receive it, then the power of God is going into play for you. If you don't, and you try to get God to move on your behalf, you can do that, but that's not the way it goes. God has an assignment for you. And if you get in the midst of that and you begin to pursue that, then all of the blessings will come upon you and overtake you. Some of our blessings out in Tulsa were $10 hamburger, or no, uh, 10 hamburgers for a dollar at Burger King. I don't know about you, but at the time, that didn't look like a big deal to me until we started eating them, and then it was a big deal. And we used to get excited at 10 hamburgers for a dollar. Those were great days. So all of a sudden, we're back out here in Tulsa for this wedding we did for my granddaughter. And it was great. We had a, had a, had a wonderful time. And, and, and Jack and Carter want to see All Roberts University. And so I think, oh, this is great. So first I took Jack, then I took Carter because he came a day later. But I'm walking through the university and I really got choked up. I was walking through that university and I said, now this is how Oral Roberts built this university. I said he would just begin to walk this land and he would pray in the spirit because God told him he was going to give him that land. And he would walk and he'd just pray, and he'd look around and he'd see buildings. And he would, he would make diagrams of the building. And Jack said, really? Just like that? And all of a sudden, I'm watching Jack's excitement at me telling him something that is just rejuvenating me in the process. And I said, Jack, we have visitors here? Yes. Do we did? Yes. Do we? Where are the visitors? Can I say? Let's give them another hand. I am convinced I am not having a breakdown, but I do cry a lot. (laughs) 
I really do lately. I don't know why. It's just like I feel the presence of God. But we're walking through the prayer gardens out there. And I said, Jack, this is where I used to sit on my bench and pray when I first got here. And then my bench was gone. I they took my bench away. My bench is gone in the prayer garden. At all hours, you got a new branch out there. It's really nice and a lot better. But it was not my bench. But, but anyway... So I'm telling them all this, and then we go into Kennedy Chapel, where we were married right there, and I was explaining how that happened. I said, now, Grandma, I said, I want to get married in the prayer garden right out in the open, but a tornado is coming, and I thought that was really exciting. Grandma, no, we've got to go inside, and we have to be in Kennedy Chapel. And all of a sudden, I'm telling this story about how this one man changed the world, a stutterer who God healed of his, his, his physical challenge, and, and how he, he changed the world by praying in the Spirit and listening to God give him his assignment for this world. And that the entire world has been changed by Oral Roberts University. No question about it. And one man, when he picked up the phone and God told him to, to buy this land out there, the, the, as he walked the land and he called the people that owned it, and they said, we're not going to sell you the land. We don't even care for you. We're never going to sell you that land. And it's like, okay, I got my assignment from God, I think. How many of you realize there's always an I think? It's like, okay, I think God said this, but if he really said it, then why is everybody saying no to me? Or why is everything seeming to go to hell in a handbasket? Have you ever heard that expression? It's like, I'm following God, now I'm doo-doo, and I don't understand how this could happen. That's exactly what happens. Jesus said to the disciples, get in the boat and go to the other side. And the first thing that happened, they had a huge storm. And it looked like they were going to be wrecked. And Jesus is asleep in the storm because he's already decided what is God's plan for the disciples. So God's plan for Oral Roberts was already set in motion with the power. Everybody say with the power. Power has nothing to do with you other than your obedience. The power has everything to do with God. God will take care of the rest. And finally, they said you can't have the land. And so he, how many of you have ever been to Tulsa, Oklahoma and see Oral Roberts University? It still to this day looks futuristic. It looks like something in the space age down the road that you would see, and it was built in 1964. It's 50 years old. Michelle Bachman was just out there to do the 50-year anniversary celebration. And we're walking around looking at all of that. And then one day he got a call, and the people said, do you still want to buy this university? We've changed our mind. We want you to have it. And bam, then all of the buildings began to come up, and all of the things began to come to pass, and everything then began to change. And the entire world has been changed by that man and his vision. God's got something like that for you. God's got something like that for me. And the power of the Holy Spirit, everybody say, He's in me. And the more we pray in the Spirit, the more we strengthen ourselves, the more we edify ourselves, the more we pray with the Spirit and the understanding, and I'm going to share that with you in just a moment, then the more we have revelation knowledge from God of what He wants, but we don't always understand it. And when we would walk the rest of that land, and I would show the kids the building and tell them about how this happened. And I was just reminded of the books that I had read about Oral's life and how everything that was affected was affected by him praying in the Spirit. And he said, I would walk through a certain area and I'd pray in the Spirit and I would see it. 
and I'd see this building in my spiritual eyes. And I'd open my eyes and I'd see an old hill with some dust and some cattle on it and some stuff like that. And I'd close my eyes and I'd see the building. And he said, I'd just keep my eyes closed because I want to see what God wanted me to see. Tell your neighbor, I want to see what God wants me to see. And if you want to see what God wants you to see, then you've got to ask God what he wants you to see. And, and I thought about that as I was explaining this to them. When I, lately, when I close my eyes, I see a rice factory in the Sudan. And I called the people, some of you know the story, and I was praying the Spirit, and I thought, why are we sending all these rice packets from America at $20,000 plus a trip in all of these containers to feed the poor and the famine areas over there? Why, why are we doing that when we could do it all right there? They have rice. All we have to do is fortify the rice. And so every time I pray, I pray, I keep seeing this. And I called a guy up because I don't know anything about rice. How many of you knew there's land rice and wet, wet rice? one of you. Congratulations, Bill. I had no idea there's two kinds of rice. I called this guy up that I know is kind of an expert in that area. And, and, and I was explaining to him, and I said, I, I, I don't know for sure that this is God, but I believe it is. Every time I pray, I keep seeing this rice factory where we package all this rice over there in the Sudan. He says, boy, it can be done. What are we going to use, land rice or, or wet rice? I said, I didn't know there was a difference. And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They do both. So I called Stanley up, and I said, Stanley, what do we have to do over there? Do you, what kind of rice do you have? He says, we have land rice and wet rice. <laughs> Take your pick. And so all of a sudden I call the guy back. Now I'm starting to become an expert. It's like, yeah, we got both of them over there. Yeah, I didn't know what it was before. So now, so now we, we, so I call this guy who does this here in America. And I said, uh, I said and, and, and these are good people. These are good, well-meaning people. And uh, when I talked to him about going through the facility and just pursuing some things and said, well, that would be a real paradigm shift for us. Uh, we're not sure we're interested in going that direction. Well, instantly, I, I, I just understand. They have something here. They're not necessarily looking over there. And so I was a little discouraged. But then as I began to pray in the Spirit, I felt like the Lord said, you want to follow me or you want to follow them? Turn to your neighbor and tell them, the answer is a no-brainer. The, the, the answer is a no-brainer. We're going to follow what God said. And so when you get into that realm of the Spirit, you start to get excited. The day-to-day -day mundane activities on this earth, they're not excited at all. Well, it's time to get up. My wife had to wake me up this morning. My alarm clock was going off and off and off. You, you know what happened. I kept hearing this beep, 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 beep. I thought it was a truck. Out, out front, and I thought, man, I wish I'd moved that truck. And then my wife said, that's your alarm. <laughs> I thought it was a truck, in, I thought it was a truck in reverse. You know how those trucks in reverse go? So how long can that guy go in reverse? <laughs> so, so anyway, you start to get excited about life. It's like, oh, this is really exciting. Oh, my goodness. We can build a right. So I called Stanley. Yesterday, I talked to Stanley, and I said, Stanley, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching, and I feel like the word of the Lord is follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, and that like never before, we need to increase our time in praying in the Spirit. How many of you would say that you need to increase your time praying in your heavenly prayer language? I'm not talking about giving God a laundry list. I'm talking about praying in your heavenly prayer language more often than you look 
at your cell phone. Right. Turn to your neighbor and say, now he's meddling. <laughs> I tell you, the other day I was watching people with their cell I don't know where I was, but there's people everywhere. And I got the little cell phones like this. And I'm working on this message on praying in the Spirit. And I think, wow, I wonder if they could pray in the Spirit more than they could play with their cell phone. Let me see. Mary's doing this, and Sally's doing this, and Bob had a hamburger, and Bob has gone to the football game. And what's the Holy Spirit saying? Don't have time for that. Glory to God, I got my phone. Okay, we'll move on. All right. So anyway... So anyway, I'm talking to Stanley, and I'd already, I'd already shared this with Stanley, and he said, let's do it. He said, that's a book that I read about how we've got to change Africa by bringing it over here on other things. And I said, well, we're on the same page, Stanley. That's great. So I said, now, where's the rice? He said, I've already contacted him. I said, what do you mean you've already contacted him? He said, I already talked to the people that have all the rice. There's most of the rice that's over here being manufactured now they're using for beer. He said, nobody is, man, is bringing the rice together and doing what we're talking about doing. Now, Stanley is way ahead of me because what I did was activated what was already in him. So I was a catalyst, had nothing to do with me, but God showed me. I was listening. I think he'd have gotten somebody else, just like he said when, to come back to Lafayette. I didn't want to come back to Lafayette. Uh, and, and I like Tulsa, Oklahoma. I still like Tulsa, Oklahoma. But then finally, we, praying in the Spirit at Rama Bible Training Center there and realized my wife wasn't going to get it, so I had to come to Lafayette. No, that's, that's not. It's too long of a story to get into. <laughs> Is I, but I have since apologized. So, but, but, but it's like, okay, this is where we're supposed to be. So I talked to Stanley. Well, Stanley's talking to people over there now, and he's moving ahead with this whole project. He just got jump-started by the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, and, and then it really started exciting me. It's like, okay. I, and I was praying this just the day. I said, God, I was praying in the Spirit, and I was praying with my understanding. I'm trying to figure it all out. And then finally I said, I said, oh, God, I don't know how the fortification works. And he said, I do. I said, okay. I don't. I do. And he reminded me of how always when he's shown me something to do, he's brought somebody along who knew how to do it. I didn't have to go study how to do it. Does that make sense to you? In other words, the power to accomplish it is already there and in motion by Him. And the same thing that is true for you. Tell your neighbor, God's got something big for you. And I remember when, when we first started getting involved with the Sudan and Purdue University came on the scene and God began to drop some things in our heart. And now they have this memorandum of understanding. They're just waiting for the tension to die down over there so they can engage and actually change this. Now listen, this came in the realm of the Spirit, praying in the Spirit. But in the memorandum of understanding, and I know I've mentioned this to you before, but between Purdue University and the government of South Sudan, this is the line that's highlighted on a huge thick binder that I have. This is what they said. We believe, Purdue University, we believe that the nation of the South Sudan has the potential agriculturally to change the entire area and feed the entire area of Eastern Africa. Glory to God. How did that happen? Because the power of the Holy Spirit dropped that in somebody's heart 
they dropped it in my heart. It was given to Purdue. It was given to the government of South Sudan. And now it's all in motion. Can you say amen? amen. Tell your neighbor, God's got something great for you. And as we walked around that university and we looked over at Victory Christian Center and what Pastor Billy Joe developed over there, he was driving down Lewis, no different than you and I driving down Main Street. He was driving down this street, Lewis there, and he looked over in a walnut grove. And he said that he'd been praying in the Spirit, and he looked over to Walnut Grove, and he saw this building. And this building was going to be later on, it came to it would be Victory Christian Center. And he sketched it out. And then he took it to an architect and he asked the architect, could you draw it? And the architect said, sure. And he drew it. And he went to, found out who owned it. He did not at the time know who owned it. Found out that Oral Roberts University owned the land. Went to uh, talk, made an appointment to meet with uh, Oral Roberts. And Oral Roberts said, we are never, ever selling this land. Just got inspired out there. I really did. Because nobody can stop the power of God's life, God's will in your life. Nobody. Tell your neighbor, nobody can stop God's power. This is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And everywhere that we go, God is in us if we're lined up with what He wants. And, and, you know, Billy Joe was a graduate of Oral Roberts University, had deep respect and admiration for Oral Roberts, and Oral Roberts said, we're not selling it. That was fine. He put together a committee to look around Tulsa for whatever land God had for us, total waste of time, but he, he said that later, he put together a committee because they went around looking, but he already had had the vision from God. Visions, dreams are coming left and right to God's people if we'll latch on to them and not try to understand it. Lean not to your own understanding. Tell your neighbor that. Lean not to your own understanding. First thing that you think about is money. How are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? I looked up the other day. I keep seeing, uh, and I'm just sharing some things here. I, I don't want to prolong this, but I, I was praying in the Spirit. The other day. I keep seeing helicopters. Every time I close my eyes and pray, I'm seeing helicopters. And I think, okay, helicopters, helicopters, helicopters. And I'm seeing these helicopters fly food around the Sudan. Now, I've seen helicopters over there before. The United Nations has them everywhere. And I'm seeing them. And, and the other day I was talking to Stanley, and, and he said, you know, the road system is really bad over here. And, uh, and, and I, I don't know how we'll get the rice into the famine areas, but, but you know, there's, there's got to be a way. And I said, oh, it's easy. We'll use helicopters. He said, where are we going to get the helicopters? I I don't know, but they're up there in a vision somewhere. They're up there in a dream. I don't know how to get them out of here into there. Does that make sense? So I went on the Internet, and I looked for helicopters. And, and somebody told me that helicopters were available, available for about $50,000. I don't know what Internet they were on. The Internet I found, they started about half a million dollars and move up. And, and so I'm praying. I'm thinking, God, a helicopter is going to start at about a half a million dollars. And this is what I heard. Now, I believe God has a sense of humor. Do you, how many of you believe God has a sense of humor? This is what I heard was I was praying. I've got a lot of money. <laughs> Turn to you and say, God's got a lot of money. Now, what we do is we try to bring it into the natural realm of understanding. Well, I don't have a half million dollars. Would God have a half a million dollars? Would Bill Gates have a half a million dollars? Yeah, Bill Gates is not God. God's got more money than Bill Gates. Can you say amen to that? 
We work for the richest Jew in the world. Hallelujah. And he's got a lot of money and he can sign a big check. So whatever it is that you feel like the Holy Spirit is showing you, you do it. Long story short with Billy Joe Dory, Oral Roberts finally called him after a long series of events. There's a lot more to it than this. And basically said, look, you come up with the money, land is yours, you can have it. We bought the land, we bought the building, God showed Billy Joe how to do it. Everything is done, everything is paid for, debt free in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I thank God we have been debt free in this church from the very beginning. We have never owed anybody, well we've owed people money that we paid based on what were the services, but we've never paid interest and I think that's a correct statement. And we've never, ever owed anybody any money that we have not been able to pay. God's got a lot of money to do what he's called you to do. Can you say amen to that? So then I'm talking to Stanley about this. And I'm saying, Stanley, I was going to use you as an example in the message tomorrow, but I've never asked you this. So I don't know for sure if this is really you. And he said, well, what is it? And I said, well, when you were in Cairo, You said you were led by the Holy Spirit, but I don't remember you ever talking about praying in the Spirit and praying with your understanding and how it worked. He said, that's exactly how it worked. He said, I went up there as an alcoholic. I got saved, got filled with the Holy Spirit, and I began to pray in the Spirit and pray with my understanding. He said, now, when it says pray with your understanding, I didn't understand what I understood. Now, that doesn't sound right, does it? Okay, turn to your neighbor and say, you'll get it in just a minute. Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 14, it says we pray in the Spirit, and then we pray with our understanding. That part about our understanding means, okay, I'm praying in a language that I don't totally understand, but I know I'm praying directly to God, because that's what it says in 1 Corinthians 14, chapter 2. So I know when I pray in the Spirit, I'm praying directly to God, but I don't know what I'm praying. It's just a heavenly prayer language. I know I've got it, but I'm praying directly to God. 1 Corinthians 14, 14 says I pray in the Spirit, and I pray with my understanding. Okay, I'm praying in the Spirit, now I'm praying with what I'm hearing God say, but I don't understand how to do it. Does that make sense? So far, if it makes sense to you, do something. Okay. okay. Now, so, so in other words, I understand what he's saying, but I don't understand how to do it. And this is what Stanley said. God told me, and I wrote it down in my prayer journal. He said, I, I go back to Tulsa and, and, and help your people. Back to Tulsa, I'm sorry, back to Yay, and help your people. And the first thing that happened when he moved out, he got put in prison in Uganda. Then he got out of prison because they thought he was an immigrant that didn't have papers, and he finally got across the border into the Sudan. They put him in prison again because he didn't have papers. He said, the first thing I did when I started serving God, I went to one prison, went to the second prison, and didn't have enough food to eat, and I'm doing exactly what God said. Turn to your neighbor and tell him there's hope for you. Because if we look at what we have versus what he says to do, many times this will short circuit us. It'll come into our understanding. I must not be following God because the pastor said there's abundance for every good work. And I'm sitting here in prison and can't even eat. And that's exactly where Stanley was. But he knew what God showed him to do. And then when he finally got out and he had a chance to get into some land and I'm shortening everything now and he began to walk this land and as he walked this land he began to see these little buildings for children and he began to see this dreamland children's home and he had a name drop in his heart in his spirit dreamland children's home and he walked with that in his heart for four years and then I want to tell you you are connected to somebody in this world that needs what you have that God's showing you and so then 
back here in America, I sit at my desk and, and every mission letter that comes in requesting anything, I pray over it in the spirit. Corishonda Barosyata, wastebasket, wastebasket, wastebasket. Oh, send them $5, send them $10. Many times over that period, that goes all the way back to Crystal. And, and it's like, why are we sending them $5? Well, what if 100,000 people got that mailing and they all sent them $5 a month? That's a half million dollars. That $5 is important, very important. And then this one, orphanage in the Sudan. Whoa. And as I prayed over the Spirit in that, I could still feel it. The power of God. I want you to get involved and help them. And I think, where's the Sudan? <laughs> <laughs> to this day, that is so funny. But I only knew it was in Africa. I had to look on the globe. Ah, there it is. And then it's like, I don't understand that. I do not understand that. But because of us, every single one of you that have been a part of it, whether it's through prayer or through giving, we got involved and we energized the passion and the power in Stanley, and now it's all there. Everything that he saw in the Spirit is there. Now, would it have happened without us? Sure it would have. God would have gotten somebody else. Turn to your neighbor and say, if you don't do it, God will get somebody else. And we were out there in Tulsa, Oklahoma, right up till the very end when I was fighting, coming back to Lafayette, Indiana. And I was walking around that prayer garden or Roberts University at the Rainbow Bible Training Center. And this is what I heard in my spirit. If you don't want to go back to Lafayette, you don't have to. But I will get somebody else. Whoa! I don't want somebody else doing my assignment. I don't want to stand before God on that judgment day and have him say, look, I got a mansion for you up here, but this is the one you could have had, but this is the one you got. Do you know there are going to be rewards in heaven? Do you know that? They're going to be, everybody said, there are rewards in heaven. A lot of people think we're all going to go up there and we all got the same thing. No, 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 no. It talks in the Bible. There are rewards in heaven. You're going to be rewarded based on did you do what God told you to do? You want a big mansion or a little mansion? I want a big mansion. <laughs> now, anyway, getting back to this, what we do is what God tells us to do. And you'll never know when your obedience to do what God said will change another person's life somewhere else in the world. Right now, there are little kids in the South Sudan who are going to grow up to be doctors and lawyers and congressmen and, and leaders of nations and businessmen and entrepreneurs because you prayed, you sent $50, and we responded based on the leading and the power of the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen to that? Now, this is what I want to show you what happens when you get into the realm of the Spirit and you're doing this. And that is that Peter had denied Jesus three times before the rooster crowed. That was a done deal. The Bible is written past, present, and future. And there's a shifting between the present and the future. A lot of the stuff that used to be future is not present. It's upon us. And a lot of the stuff that is, 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 it just moves, that, that has already happened. There was a denying that took place. When Jesus said that, that was futuristic. But then it actually happened, and Peter experienced it. But yet, this same Peter that denied Jesus three times, he was fearful, he was anxious, he was concerned. We don't know what all the reasons was, but we know this. 
there was a challenge going on in his life. But then the upper room experience came. And, and when the upper room experience came in Acts chapter 2, he was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit fell, it's fire, clothes of fire. They all began to pray in a heavenly prayer language, in a different language. And this same Peter was changed. You will be changed the more you pray in the Spirit. The more you press into the realm of the Spirit, it will change you. You will stop looking at all the things that occupy all of your time. All of the stuff here that scrolls up and down. All the things that are in your mind that just constantly go through. How many of you have a very active mind that if you're not careful, it just detracts from everything spiritually for you? You start praying in the Holy Ghost, you will get out of that mind. You start praying in the Holy Ghost. Turn off the TV set. Turn off all the things that you do all the things. Those things are not bad things, but if they occupy more of your time than praying in the Holy Spirit, then they will detract you from the power of God. And so Peter and John are going to the hour of prayer in Acts chapter 3. And there's a lame man. Now this is the same Peter that was fearful, that was tormented. Can I see all the hands of the people that from time to time you become fearful and anxious and tormented because of things? What if the, you know, and we're believing that these things get away from me, I'll be okay. What if they never change? What if those things that are around you don't change? You're going to be a basket case the rest of your life? No, 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 no. You can be okay no matter what. Well, do we believe for things to change? Yes. But if things do not change, they are not going to affect my emotional stability in God. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm getting this. So now they're prayed up in the spirit. They're going to the, uh, to the gate of the temple called Beautiful. And they're going in for a time of prayer about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I think it was. I'm not sure. It doesn't really matter. But there's a lame man who every day has been laid there at the gate of that temple. And he's saying alms for the poor. He's, he's just begging for money. And, and, and Peter looks down and says, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have. I give to you, rise and walk. Reached down, picked up that lame man, jerked him up to his feet, and he was instantly healed. And he started following them into the temple. Now, this is the same Peter that was fearful before. Now he's aggressive. Turn to your neighbor and say, we need to be aggressive. He's aggressive now, and he's aggressively pursuing the things that God showed him to do. And then the leaders came against him, and they said that you can't do this, you shouldn't do this. But yet they knew there was a miracle that had taken place. And they put him in the jail for the night, and they told him that we want you to stop using the name of Jesus. How many of you would like to be more bold than you are? You can be if you stir up that gift that's in you. Because the power of God himself, now think about this just a moment. The power of God himself through the power of the Holy Spirit is where? In this temple. Everybody say it's right here. I just want to share this with you before we close. Oh, it's time. To, what time is it? 20 after? It's about time. Okay. I was praying one day in the spirit about this situation in the Sudan. And as I prayed in the spirit, and as I prayed in my understanding, it had to do with Purdue. God told me what to do. And he told me to write a letter and that this letter would be a catalyst that would be used 
da 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 I'm purposely not telling you all the details. As I did it, did I call you about that letter? Yeah. About two in the morning or something, I, I called Pam or she called me, I don't remember the exact details. And I said, I feel like I'm supposed to write this letter from the nation of the South Sudan that will do da 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 It was very, in the natural realm, it was very pretentious, but I was pulling it out of what I thought was the spiritual realm. Am I making sense so far or am I just confusing you? Okay, so I ran it by Pam. She said, well, if you think that's God. And so I sent this letter with fear and trepidation, thinking, who am I to be writing a letter from a government involving this situation? All of a sudden, several months later, I see a report from this government to this entity opening all of the doors and the letter from the government is there from the head of the government and it's my letter. And I'm looking at this thinking, oh my gosh, that is what God told me to do. And that is what God said would happen. If you do what God tells you to do, the power of God, nothing to do with you. Turn your neighbor and says, nothing to do with you. The power of God will go forth to accomplish that task. That makes sense to you? So right now, God is speaking to each and every one of you. And this is how Peter was summed up here in Acts chapter 4 when they finally let him go because they were upset because he was proclaiming the things of God. And they finally let him go after keeping them overnight. And they said, look, we want you to shut up, stop talking about Jesus, stop talking about miracles, and we want you to be quiet. Turn to your neighbor and say, we're never going to be quiet. And in Acts chapter 4, verse 29, this is what Peter and John and the rest of them, worship team can come on back up here. This is what they said. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness we may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your Holy Spirit servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Let's all stand to our feet. Now, that word, boldness, is an outspoken, unreserved utterance, a freedom of speech with frankness, candor, cheerful courage, the opposite of cowardice, timidity, or fear, it denotes a divine enablement that comes to ordinary and unprofessional people exhibiting spiritual power and authority. It also refers to a clear presentation of the gospel without being ambiguous or unintelligible. Parisia is not a human quality, but it is a result of being filled with the Holy Spirit. 
In other words, when the power of the Holy Spirit is allowed by you to manifest in you, that power flows out everywhere that you go. And if you're not thinking about your challenges and your situations and your circumstances, then you can press into the fullness of releasing that power of the Holy Spirit. But if you're thinking for yourself, then you will constantly be restricting the power of the Holy Spirit. Five things praying in the Holy Ghost does. Number one, it puts you in direct contact with God. You're bypassing your mind and you are speaking directly to God. Number two, it edifies you. Number three, when you're praying in the Holy Ghost, you are praying the will of God, even though you don't know what you're praying. You are birthing God's will by praying in the Holy Spirit. Jude chapter 20 says that it is, it is lift, it is edifying you every time you pray in the Holy Ghost. You are building yourself up by praying in the Holy Ghost. You need to build yourself up in the Holy Spirit, nothing else. And then in 1 Corinthians 14, 14, which I shared earlier, it says that when you pray in the Spirit, you pray with your understanding. You've heard me say this many times, but next to the Bible, most important thing to me, is this prayer journal because this is what I believe the Holy Spirit is telling me. Some of this passed. I rejoiced. I saw it come to pass. It really built my faith. Some of it present. I don't know. I think this is what God said, but I sure don't. That building down there on 52, that's a present deal. That's a present deal. Power of God is going to move on everybody involved in that building. That building belongs to us because it belongs to God, and God wants us to have it. But then there are other things that are for the future, that this is my life. You need the same thing. Many of you have it. Some of you, maybe you've let go of it. You need to get back to it. Amen. Bow your heads with me just for a moment. I want to ask you this question. Do you know today, if you died, that you would go directly to Jesus and be in heaven? If you're here and you say, you know, Pastor, I, I, I'm not sure if I died today, I would. Or, or maybe you're here and you're like a prodigal son. You, you've strayed away from the things of God and you're not sure if you died today, you would go to be with Jesus. And if you're here and you say, you just described me. I want that assurance. I want Jesus in my life. I'm going to ask you just to lift your hand, and we're going to pray for you. All over this church, is there anyone at all? Hallelujah. Now, let's all make this confession. Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior. Through you, I know that I have eternal life. Today, I've heard your word. I'm going to pursue it. I'm going to press in like never before into the realm of the Spirit, praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in tongues, and praying with my understanding to determine your plan, your purpose, your will. I yield to you, Lord. 
I give you my life in the name of Jesus. Now, before we dismiss, I want to ask you a question. How many of you believe that praying in tongues, praying in your heavenly prayer language, and praying with that understanding as it talks about that we can do, how many of you believe that you need to intensify that in your life? Can I see your hands? Now, Father, I pray for every single person here because I believe that we are in a time frame where all of us must intensify this. And I pray, Lord, that it would be done according to your will and their will in Jesus' name. How many are here and you have never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? You have never prayed in your heavenly prayer language, but you're ready to. Can I see your hands if there's anybody at all? Okay, looks like this group is all set and ready for action. You are going from glory to glory. You may not affect directly the nation of the South Sudan, but you're going to affect somebody somewhere in this world because God's got a plan for your life. Tell those people on each side, God has a plan for your life. We hope this message encouraged you. Victor Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. Learn more about us at victorylafayette.org. If you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following Him, I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and His gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at victorylafayette.org.